This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. And you are listening to the Dustin Gold Standard Episode 163 Part 6. Alright. We're back at sociable.co folks. So you get this group of folks together, the technologists, the economists, the philosophers, the thinkers, the technocrats, really, folks, the technocrats. And so uh, this guy, Khan, the head of uh, innovation there at the Rockefeller Foundation, says the conversation wasn't always easy, but the core, it was a fantastic conversation in the area we landed on was the need for governance of AI. Goes on to say, if left unchecked, AI could be governed by a select few elitists with their own agendas. Well, what's that group of people right there that got together and are deciding that it needs to be governed? It's a group of elitists. Goes on to say, or the AI itself could assume more autonomy towards artificial superintelligence. So who governs AI, how they govern, and on whose authority they do so are all serious issues facing humanity's future with this game-changing technology, right? So what have I told you? Many, 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 many shows. I said, you know, Elon Musk went on Joe Rogan Experience in 2018, 2020, 2021, and the whole theme was, listen, I'm going to help build AI uh, because it needs to be governed. Uh, before it destroys humanity because it's going to be smarter than humanity because I'll be sure of it because I'm going to build it to be smarter than humanity. But as long as I govern the governing body that oversees the governance of the government that governs the very body that it's governing, then we will be able to govern it appropriately to make sure it won't destroy humanity as long as we are the ones governing it. So why don't they just not build it? I mean, I I don't want to keep asking that question because it's quite obvious. It's they didn't build it, they didn't fund it, this wouldn't be happening. We wouldn't need a governing body. So they're going to put together a star chamber of folks that are going to sit there and govern the AI and decide how much of your life it's going to destroy. That's what they're telling you. Is that dystopian? I mean, this guy Khan said it's either going to create peace and prosperity or it's going to create a dark dystopian future. And now they're saying they need a governing body to oversee it in order to assure that there won't be a dark dystopian future and it will only offer peace and prosperity. Well, if it's so good, why doesn't it just out of the gates offer peace and prosperity? No, because they know the goal is to offer a dystopian future. For me and you, for me and you, for them, it will probably offer peace and prosperity. Ah, see? The 0.001%, they get their peace and prosperity. We get a dark dystopian future. They ensure their peace and prosperity, which is translated to power and control in their world, in their lingo, 
you know, in the elitist lexicon, power and control equals peace and prosperity. For the rest of us, it's a dark dystopian future of hell, living inside of a technocratic prison planet. It goes on to say, quote, AI is a teenager who is about to leave home. The teenager is starting to express its personality now, end quote, said Khan. I put the question to Khan that if he could personify AI as a child and human as its parents, what stage of life would AI be at right now? He indulged, quote, if I were to guess, I would say AI is a teenager who is about to leave home, end quote. Quote, when it was in the lab, the scientists were more or less providing for AI, feeding it and caring for it. The teenager is starting to express its personality now. It's a little rebellious. We saw some applications that weren't great. Some issues are coming like facial recognition that we know we need to deal with. But it's about to leave home, in my view. I think it's about to have this explosive proliferation into society, end quote. The Rockefeller Senior VP added. I don't know. There, there's a little video here. Just a, just a minute and a half clip. Let me introduce you to Ziacon, VP of Initiatives and uh, Strategy at the Rockefeller Institute. Why not, folks? Why not? I think it would be worth... Um, you guys just taking a look at this guy. I mean, what the heck? Uh, it's nice sometimes to see these personalities. Let's, let's watch. Innovation is the bridge between a problem and a solution. And social innovation involves a fundamental break from practice, either through a new product, a new process, or a new organization. And this change in practice has positive impact on poor or vulnerable populations. It scales. And it usually involves a combination of the private sector, government, and communities all working together in a new way. So for example, a new water pump, in my view, is just an invention. But if you think about how can this water pump be introduced into communities, how do they learn how to use it, what is the business model for distributing it, maintaining it, keeping it, how can that business model be sustainable so that it can scale and spread and doesn't require donor funding? And most importantly, how does it not have unintended consequences? That to me is social innovation. So how can <laughs> social problems be a source of innovation for companies to realize business results as opposed to how do we try and steer and change the business to address a social problem? And I think when companies look at that lens, they come up with lots of creative ideas for how what they do in service of their shareholders and realizing the financial returns and business imperatives that they need to accomplish, how those can also have social impact. So the key for social innovation to lead to big system change is to get multiple actors to work together, the private sector, government, and civil society. So you guys probably said to yourself, oh, okay, well, where did that video come from? Was that Sociable who uh, put that together? No, folks, that came from World Economic Forum, your friends over there, the World Economic Forum. Uh, so you got to hear him there. And he was talking about uh, how he sees this stuff coming into practice. And folks, we got to be careful. We don't want unintended consequences. As I told you, there are no unintended consequences when it comes to the technocratic transhumanists. They are just goals. 
coming to fruition. Whatever they are doing, just imagine the darkest, most terrible thing that you can envision in your head, then multiply it times a million. And you will eventually get to what these guys are doing. This is how I work it. I try to think like a madman. I know I'm not. So I multiply it times a million. And that's what they're going to do. Whatever it is, just think the worst and multiply it times a million. All right, it goes on to say, AI may be likened to a teenager right now, but unlike humans, its growth will be exponential and at lightning speed. Quote, what's really interesting about technology is that we learn more about humans as we understand technology, quote, Zaya Khan. What do you want to know so much about humans? Why don't you just leave us alone? Leave us alone. Uh, You haven't figured that one out yet. Here, you want to learn? Here, I'll tell you. Leave me alone. Goes on to say, continuing with the parenting metaphor, do we want to care for our artificial offspring like carpenters, defining all the rules early on and following the plan? Or do we want to be like gardeners, allowing the algorithms to flourish within a set framework while trying to nurture them and maintain boundaries. Quote, my view of it is that we need to now create a new institution that can continue being the gardener for AI because AI is going to leave home soon and we hope it becomes a productive member of society, but there's a lot of ways people can go when they leave home, end quote, said Khan. This doesn't sound scary or dystopian at all, folks. Not at all. Not at all. We're just going to release AI. It's a teenager. Let it go. Let it go. It says, for the Rockefeller Foundation Senior VP, a new institution should be created to govern AI, but what would that look like? Should the future of AI governance be held to a democratic vote of the people, or should it be placed under the stewardship of philanthropists, technologists, or other organizations with deep pockets and agendas? Quote, we need some political mechanism to decide what are the goals that we want as a society when AI is incorporated, end quote, Zyacon. But you see, they already made the decision for you that AI is going to be incorporated into all humans' lives. You did not have a vote on that. You did not give your consent. Although, when you interact with it, when you use your smart device, when you use computer programs, they interpret that, possibly rightfully so, as consent. But the issue is that there has never been a wide-ranging discussion on this entire technocratic system. No one opted into this. No one consented to it. You were engineered into it. And technocracy at its core is the science of social engineering, engineering people into the system, into the system. It goes on, while Khan admits that he doesn't have all the answers on who should be behind the institutions to govern AI, he is certain that they do need to exist. Well, you're calling for this committee, this Brenton Woods on artificial intelligence, and then you're saying you don't have all the answers on who should be behind the institutions to govern it. I mean, you're the one calling for the conference here. I mean, you don't have any ideas? Goes on to say, going back to the teenager metaphor, he says, quote, when someone leaves home, there's lots of things they can do. 
They can go to university. They can nod off. They can be an entrepreneur. But we still expect them to follow some basic laws around goals that we see as a society. Right? That's, that's propagandizing people into the system over socialization that Theodore Kaczynski had written about in Industrial Society and Its Future back in 1995. It goes on, uh, Khan answering, we need some political mechanism to decide what are the goals that we want as a society when AI is incorporated in that. And then how do we ensure that the technology meets those goals, end quote. And that is one of the biggest debates going on around artificial intelligence circles right now and highlighted in the A1, uh, AI plus one report, rules-based governance or outcome-based. Focus too much on the rules, then you have unexpected outcomes. A few years back, Microsoft had to kill its AI chatbot Tay after it turned into a foul-mouthed racist in less than 24 hours. And more recently, OpenAI created a virtual game of hide-and-seek, but the AI unexpectedly broke the program's simulated laws of physics to win. By focusing outcomes, the rules can bend and flex within a specific framework, governed and guided by what the Rockefeller Foundation senior VP sees as a need for a new institution. Quote, I think that AI is overestimated in some cases and underestimated in other cases, end quote, Zaya Khan said. Folks, when we get back, we're going to finish this up, and this will set the stage for our deep dive into A1, uh, AI plus one, uh, tomorrow, because I want to cover this um, and what the Rockefeller Foundation is doing and show you how this ties in to DARPA. It all converges. All these pieces uh, connect into Rockefellers and DARPA. It's the state, all right? And all these oligarchs are working uh, at the behest of the state. Uh, when I get back, we'll finish this up. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Dustin Gold with the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Join the discussion at Payne.tv slash gold. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on Payne.tv. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. To the Dustin Gold Standard right here on pain.tv slash gold. My name is Dustin Gold. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're back at sociable.co. We'll try to get through a bit more of this. We're not going to finish it because I want to introduce um, a paragraph from another paper we're going to review tomorrow. It's something I want you to go home with and sleep on. And think about. Uh, But this continues. It says, at present, there are a lot of misconceptions about what AI can and cannot do. But as Khan points out, the more we study AI, the more we find out about ourselves. Remember, this is from 2020. Quote, what's really interesting about technology is that we learn more about humans as we understand technology, end quote. Khan said, quote, for example, you still don't have a robot that can really open a door. Someone said once that when the killer robots come, all you have to do is close the door. You see all these crazy videos of robots doing flips and gymnastics. It's a pretty simple problem, relatively speaking, but friction, they can't handle it, end quote. Uh, 
He added, quote, it's in studying robots that we learned our sense of touch is about a thousand times more sensitive than we thought before. Similarly, with our hearing and similarly with our smell, end quote. How about you just leave it alone? Goes on to say, but when it comes uh, to decision making, right now AI is really good at the intuitive tasks that we don't think much about, like recognizing languages, images, and counting things. Human consciousness, on the other hand, keeps our minds occupied on many thoughts while juggling a plethora of emotions simultaneously in any given moment. They want the emotions out of the equation, folks. Quote, as we understand AI better, we're actually understanding human consciousness. End quote, Zaya Khan uh, said. All right. Now, why is that important? As we understand AI better, we're actually understanding human consciousness. These are the folks that want to upload your consciousness to the cloud. They have to define what that is first. They have to define that so they can figure out how to actually make it happen. You know, how to overcome this engineering feat here. Uh, we've talked about the mind uploading extensively on this show. I don't want to rehash all of that, ladies and gentlemen. You can go back to probably episodes 1 through 10 on mind uploading. goes on to say that's something, according to Khan, that AI can't do right now. And being able to manage multiple thought processes is like an, quote, executive function, end quote, that only people possess at present. Quote, as we understand AI better, we're actually understanding human consciousness and we're understanding the role of emotion in helping with our cognition, end quote, he said. Quote, these are the interesting frontiers we're learning about the human mind and human body as AI progresses, end quote. Yeah, they're not learning about it for our benefit. They're learning about it because they're trying to hack us, pirate us, and duplicate us into some robot AI slave crap that these guys are trying to build to fully replace humanity. Goes on to say, the more we understand machines, the more we understand ourselves. And many companies working with AI are applying what they've learned and developed to directly benefit society in truly unique ways. And there are some groups that have figured out that their AI solutions for one industry could prove beneficial in another. For example, the Rockefeller Foundation works with a group called Datakind, quote, a fantastic organization, end quote, yeah, I'm sure of it, that has, quote, an army of volunteer data scientists who want to apply their skills to social problems. They identify some social problems, and they get volunteer teams to help develop tools and applications. The Rockefeller senior VP cited Datakind's work in Haiti as an example where the team was able to optimize routes for waste disposal while maximizing pickups using AI, which in turn could be applied to community health workers in Africa who can better optimize their routes between communities. Oh, folks, watch out down there. They're bringing the technocracy. Now, when they develop AI solutions for places like Haiti and Africa, what do they then tell the people there? This is me speaking. What do they then tell the people they need there in order to bring them this uh, magical divine artificial intelligence to develop better waste disposal routes? Well, we have to bring in a data center, the heart and the brain of technocracy. We have to bring in wired fiber lines. We have to 
put in satellite receivers. We have to bring in 5G replicators. So we developed a solution for you called AI to develop these new routes. And in turn, you have to let us build out a technological infrastructure. Folks, this is no different than the last phase of what the IMF did, the International Monetary Fund, in these so-called primitive third world countries, where they tell the indigenous people, I'm sorry we poisoned your water with our oil wells. Now we're going to build you a water purification system, which you didn't need before, but now you need it because we polluted your land. So you're going to commit to $17 billion over the next five years. We're going to build it up. Oh, you can't afford the water purification system. We have to come in and take over your gold mines. We have to come in and take over your lithium, your cobalt, your nickel. Unbelievable. And, and this is the game. So we're going to come in with AI, but AI doesn't run without data centers. So you got to let Microsoft, IBM, Amazon, Oracle, Facebook, Come in here and start popping up data centers all over your country. And then before you know it, boom, they're absorbed into the technocracy. Everyone is carrying around a smartphone. Everyone is connected to the cloud. You see how this system works? It's a system, as I said, of inclusion, right? That's what they call it. But it's a system of coercion, right? They're going to force you into it. Oh, these snake oil salesmen. It goes on to say, quote, anytime we can find something where one solution can be applied to another problem, it just really increases the efficiency of how we can solve all the challenges that we're trying to solve, end quote. Said Khan, quote, all of these AI systems have a problem around bias, and that's something we're really starting to worry about, end quote. Zaya Khan. Well, we've talked about that, and even Glenda, our chat GPT, sidekick and assistant that i did not bring into the show today i gave you a break from glenda judy uh, <laughs> judy one of uh, our big fans that writes reviews on every show i appreciate it goes on to say while algorithms can be redistributed to serve multiple purposes problems arise when they pass along inherent biases in the code quote all of these ai systems have a problem around bias that's something we're really starting to worry about many ways these tools can just reproduce and amplify the human biases that we have end quote said khan so i guess when they're in africa they're not picking up garbage because they won't pick up garbage from black people i mean give me a break the biases goes on to say the rockefeller foundation recently launched the four million dollar lacunda fund aimed specifically at correcting the gaps and biases in data for ai solutions in order quote to mobilize labeled data sets that solve urgent problems in low and middle income contexts globally end quote this does not sound dystopian at all does it not quote the lacunda fund is meant to identify where are there opportunities where we can fund labeled databases that round out the training data available to algorithms so that those algorithms can train themselves and remove the bias, end quote, said Khan. For instance, he's pointing out here, COVID has laid bare a lot of the really deep and important problems, end quote, Zaya Khan. Oh, how convenient. How convenient. Uh, let, let, let's let's leave the COVID, let's leave the COVID stuff uh, for tomorrow, folks. I, I'm gonna leave the COVID stuff for tomorrow because I want to leave you on this note. All right, this is a um, national 
academic uh, academies.org. And this is from a book. And we're going to be reviewing this tomorrow. This is really kind of the, the history of AI to tack on to what we covered today. It's going to fill in some of the blanks because we ended in about 1955 and we fast forwarded to 2020. Well, I'll say 2015 with the start of open AI. But I want to piece together this whole timeline for you. If we were teaching this in a homeschool class, I think we could do this in about a two-day lesson. But I want to leave you with this because this is DARPA's pivotal role. We didn't get into DARPA tonight. It says the establishment in 1962 of ARPA's Information Processing Techniques Office, IPTO. Now, ARPA was the precursor to DARPA. So now you're looking at seven years after, all right, seven years after the Rockefellers funded the Dartmouth Summer Camp, right, on AI, that kicked off AI, formalized AI, and set basically uh, put together a set of goals uh, for what the scientists and the technocrats and stuff were trying to reach, right? So it says the establishment in 1962 of IPTO, that's the Information Processing Techniques Office, radically changed the scale of research in artificial intelligence, propelling it from a collection of small projects into a large-scale, high-profile domain, from the 1960s through the 1990s, DARPA provided the bulk of the nation's support for artificial intelligence research and thus helped to legitimize artificial intelligence as an important field of inquiry and influence the scope of related research. Over time, the nature of DARPA's support changed radically from an emphasis on fundamental research at a limited number of centers of excellence to more broad-based support for applied research tied to military applications, both reflecting and motivating changes in the field of artificial intelligence itself. All right, so tomorrow we're going to finish up the sociable article, and then we're going to get into this piece. We're going to look at AI plus one coming out of the Rockefeller Center, we're going to start to tie some pieces together because we have someone who sits on the DARPA uh, uh, board uh, who also works for Rockefeller. There's all these overlaps. I mean, I guess to me sometimes it's, it seems a little boring because I research it so much. But then I get feedback from you guys and you're just wowed and amazed by all this. So I'm just going to keep – I'm not going to leave stuff out. When I go, okay – Maybe I'm bored of this. I realize, well, that's because you spent 12 hours last night not sleeping, reading about it and connecting it to all the research you've done in the past to you guys to see the Rockefeller and DARPA and Elon Musk and Peter Thiel and all the pieces coming together, I think is important, right? There's got to be a little wow factor to all this stuff. So we're going to get into that, but this is kind of the master class on artificial intelligence, where it came from, without going too much and too deep into the weeds because I just I don't want to bore you to death with every little computer that was developed and the whole timeline of this. I think it's important to understand this stuff came from the Rockefellers. It came from the technocrats. It came from DARPA. 
Uh, and now Elon Musk, Peter Thiel, and the rest, they are oligarchs, and they are there as bagmen to hand out the cash to continue to develop this, and now you're seeing AI being injected into everything. This is how it all works, folks. This is a 100-year plan coming to fruition just on artificial intelligence. We've seen that with eugenics. We've seen it with technocracy in general. These are 100-year plans that these guys execute to bring this stuff uh, to fruition. This is the real history. This is the hidden history. This is the history of the actual world you live in today. People say all the time, you have to accept the world as it is, not the world you want it to be. Well, you can't accept the world as it is unless you actually understand what that world is, how the hell we got here, what it looks like, and where they are bringing us Because if it is as bad as I think it is, I'm not going to accept it. And we may not be able to change it for the collective. We may not be able to wake up humanity, but we might be able to change it for ourselves. We may have to live like outlaws outside of the system. But if that's what we have to do to have some semblance of freedom and liberty and privacy and prosperity and autonomy, then that's what we have to do. It's not going to be easy. It will be difficult, but we shall overcome. Ladies and gentlemen, please spread this show around. Leave me a five-star review at Apple Podcasts along with a comment. It really does help. Think about joining pain.tv slash gold. Get access to the ad-free video version of this podcast as well as the Thomas Paine podcast. If you join for the higher tier called Hotwire, you're going to get access to Mike Moore's highest level of intelligence. A lot of folks love that. Over 50% of folks sign up for that, believe it or not. And then, ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you kindly. I do it every show. Um, Nobody's really done it. I mean, a few people. But I produce this show, unless I'm making money on the ad revenue on the public side, I make some money off the subscriptions, I don't get paid. And um, I turn down a lot of work and other things I should be doing in order to keep growing this show. So if you can, folks, please spare a few bucks. Donorbox.org slash Dustin Gold show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back tomorrow, episode 164. My name is Dustin Gold. This is the Dustin Gold Standard, and you are listening to pain.tv slash gold. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world built to keep us under control in order to change a human being. You're listening to the Dustin Gold Standard on pain.tv. Join the discussion at pain.tv slash gold.